part of what I love about this book is it talks about the idea of enough, of economic satisfaction. Welcome to the Life in Paradise podcast, the show about creating a life you never need a vacation from. You'll gain inspiration from those who have done it before as we share experiences, strategies, and offer practical steps you can take to live your dream life in paradise. With your host, attorney-turned-alchemist, Don Fleming. Welcome to the August episode for our book review. And I'm going to do something a little bit different this time. There's actually a few books that I want to talk about briefly. And they're all really old books, but they're oldies and goodies. But before I jump in, I just want to tell you about my job at the firm. I went to work for a small boutique business firm with about 10 attorneys. They had a corporate division, bankruptcy department, and a business litigation division. I worked in the corporate transactional department and basically drafted contracts. The year was 2000. It was in the middle of the tech boom. So it was pretty interesting work, pretty intense. Started out as a contract job, which I loved. I was working from home, making really good money. And apparently I did a good job because they offered me a full-time position after just a few months. When we started salary negotiations, I thought it odd. They wanted to pay me half of what I was making working from home on a contract basis. And so I was like, wait a minute, you're paying me this amount to work from home. You want to pay me half that amount to go work in your firm. I have to get dressed up. I can't work in my PJs. And I've got a commute in Southern California traffic. Why should I do this? And of course, their answer was, well, because there's a future. You can make partner. So I got sold and I said, okay, I went to work for them as a full-time W-2 employee in their office. And I quickly realized that the partner I working was working for was a workaholic. He worked 16, 17 hours a day, literally seven days a week, was in the middle of a divorce, three small children uh, that told him that they hated him on a regular basis. He was miserable and he was only six months older than me, but he looked 15 years older And I realized right away that this job was not a good fit. Our values weren't in alignment. And my boss had no life outside the firm. But I was sort of stuck because I couldn't go back to working as an independent contractor after going on as an employee. So in August of that year, I went to my annual doctor's appointment and they found something. I had to go back for an ultrasound. And after that, they said I needed a hysterectomy. I had just met Tom and he actually took care of me during my recovery period. Now, I don't do well with boredom. So after about two weeks of laying around the house, remember, there's no not much internet then, uh, you know, TV was was pretty cable TV, nothing on daytime TV. And I said, I'm bored. I'm, I'm It's going on two weeks now. I've been laying around. I'm like, I can't stand this. I called my doctor and said, please let me go back to work. And he said, okay, but listen to your body. Make sure you don't push it. So I'm excited. I call my boss. I'm like, hey, I can come back. And, you know, my doctor just said I need to take it easy. So I go in on Monday. By Thursday, I've already put in 40 hours and I'm not feeling well. My boss comes to ask me to work late and says, we've got this project and you need to get done. I said, oh my gosh, I'd love to, but I'm really not feeling well. I feel feverish. I think I've really pushed it too hard this week. So I go home that night. The next day I come in, do my work. It's lunchtime. My boss comes in to my office and he says, can you come with me to the other partner's office? So I go, they slide my paycheck across the table and said, you're fired. And I'm like, what? There was no explanation, no notice, nothing. I was like, you got to be kidding me. 
after they had repeatedly told me how much they liked my work. So I was like, okay, I really didn't like it here anyway. And that was the last job I ever had. Last month, I had a great interview with Diane Huth. Uh, I'll put a link to the show notes to that interview. And then for the book review last month, I, I reviewed two of her books. One for, you know, basically packaging yourself, brand you for uh, job searches, and the other one for baby boomers. And I think there's some really good practical information in there. But that said, this month, what I really wanted to dive into is the mindset when it comes to having a job, looking for a job, and working for other people, because things have really changed. And so the three books that I really want to dive into this month for the book review, and if you want to read them, that's great. You can also read the summaries, and they're not like super, you know, engaging books. I'm a book nerd, as, as you know, if you've been following me for a while. But the three books that I have in mind, the first one is Who Moved My Cheese? And it's an old book. It's from 1998. Spencer Johnson wrote the best-selling book. It's a parable about mice and mazes and finding cheese. I talked to a while back, a few months ago, about The Richest Man in Babylon. That's a parable too. You know, parables are great vehicles for, for learning things. In the book, he it's really all about change, right? That that change happens, you know, and the cheese keeps moving, right? For these mice that are they're trying to find it. And how important it is that we need to anticipate changes, monitor changes, adapt to changes, and enjoy the changes and be ready to uh, change quickly and do it all over again. Now, I happen to love change. It's in my DNA. I know not everybody feels that way. Interesting thing I, I learned about this book is it's actually been used in the corporate downsizing environment. In fact, uh, the author of the, the next book I'm going to talk about is uh, Barbara Ehrenreich. And her book, Brightsided, talks about this book in particular being used as downsizing propaganda and says basically its message is the dangerous human tendencies to overanalyze and complain must be overcome for a more rodent-like approach to life. When you lose a job, just shut up and scamper along to the next one. And so, you know, you got to kind of take it with a grain of salt depending on on what the context is. But the corporate powers that be, I guess, have, have really used this who moved my cheese as a way to say, hey, you know, change happens. That's just the way it goes. You know, I think change is inevitable. But to make light of somebody losing, you know, particularly a high paying job, any job, really, uh, where you're relying on that to eat. So we're in Minnesota for the summer, been having a great time enjoying my hometown and seeing my family and doing all kinds of fun things like going to the fair and uh, Vikings preseason game and all sorts of, of fun things. The, ha the house that we're renting this summer, I'm, I have the luxury of, of being able to use a retired professor's office. It's full of books. Um, I think he's a book collector. One of Barbara's books that I'd never heard of before jumped off the shelf at me. It's um, Barbara Ehrenreich, and she's a multiple best-selling author. She went undercover um, and wrote a book about her experience 
called Nickel and Dimed. And it was really about the, the blue collar job experience and working menial jobs for very low pay. Well, this book is sort of the flip side to that. I never read that book, so I, I can't comment on that one one way or another. But this one caught my attention. It's called Bait and Switch, the in parens futile pursuit of the American dream. And this book, she goes undercover as a professional in the PR field. She, you know, creates a resume and finds people to uh, serve as references. And it's all about this job search journey that she goes on all the way from, you know, the, the career counselors, the resume writing process, uh, boot camps, job fairs, networking events, evangelical job search ministries that she comes across, um, being pitched for network marketing companies, being offered to work for Aflac, but of course, no salary, no benefits, and very little support or training. Um, in the end, at the end of the day, um, I be- believe it's about an eight month period of time that she invests in her in this little research project, she never does get an offer for a good paying public relations job that she is applying for. And, you know, not just changed. I mean, this book was was written in 2005. And I was disheartened, I guess, to hear that things really haven't changed much. I mean, here, fast forward, not much has changed. I mean, people go through, I remember when I got fired from that law firm job, I did go through that whole process of sending out resumes. And I know it's gotten much more tech involved since even back in those days, you just don't hear back from people, they ghost you, your resume ends up in the circular file. And she did bring up who moved my cheese in that book as well. uh, Because that obviously had been out for a few years. Uh, in 2005, well, seven seven years um, that book had been out. So she did talk about that and how people are sort of dealing with this new social compact, which isn't really new anymore. It's been going on for quite some time. Now we have the quiet quitting and the basically f- constructive um termination where they give you a different job and maybe it's more work and it's not an it's not a uh, raise it's not a promotion but they have you doing something else and so there's a lot of things like that going on in the workplace and she talks about how demoralizing it can be for somebody who's had a good job and played a significant role and people going to work for you know Home Depot or Starbucks um, just to pay the bills because they're not finding something in their field or or even close to what they had done at their previous job. So I think that's important to understand. It's scary for sure, which is why I think in, in 2000, when I, I that last time I got fired, I said, that's it. This is never going to happen again. I'm not going to put myself in the position to be vulnerable like that, where you're not in control, I would rather, you know, roll up my shirt sleeves, dig in, work hard to build a business that's going to sustain me. And there's no guarantees with that either. Trust me, I've lost several businesses through the years. And but I still feel like if you are going to work that hard to go find a job, you might as well put in the work to market yourself to get 
people to pay you to do something, which is what I ended up doing. I ended up going into soul practice as much as I didn't want to. I just wasn't finding the job. I was going through exactly what she talks about in Bait and Switch. I was like, wait a minute, I have a, a JD. I have all these skills. I have all of these these uh, things that I bring to the table and I couldn't find a position that really matched up with my values and my interests. So it was it was really tough. The last one I want to talk about, it's funny that I, I didn't come across this until really within the last couple of years since I started this work in connection with my book. One of the guys who's, who attended a uh, workshop that I gave, I had a nice conversation with him and he mentioned this book to me and I had honestly never heard of it. And I bought it and I was like, oh my gosh, this is an amazing book. It should be required reading for everyone, every adult, even high schooler. We'll be back in a moment. Isla Mujeres is a Caribbean jewel off the coast of Cancun. Castillito del Caribe warmly invites you to enjoy our spectacular oceanfront villa located in the heart of El Centro and a short walk to Playa Norte, which is ranked one of the top 10 beaches in the world. With an ocean view of crystal clear turquoise waters overlooking both the Caribbean and Cancun city skyline, we offer a fabulous location for you to enjoy all the peace and tranquility you're looking for on vacation, while also taking in all the excitement the island has to offer, with activities either in walking distance or a golf cart day excursion away. Please visit castellitocaribe.com www.castellitocaribe.com We look forward to seeing you soon. I'm so happy to have you with me for the Life in Paradise podcast. I love our listeners and fans and we'd love to show our appreciation for you supporting the show. So please head over to lifeinparadisepodcast.com where you can find free resources mentioned in the show and also register for our gifts, prizes, and swag. I'd also love to hear from you. So there's a place on that page to submit your questions, comments, and requests so I can serve you better. And if I answer your question on the show, we'll send you a free gift. So the third book I want to mention is a little book that was released in 1992 called Your Money or Your Life. It was released shortly after the stock market crash, Black Monday, 1987. We were in a recession. It is a book, like I said, that I had hadn't really come across until just a couple of years ago. And it's often been referred to as really one of the best books about money that's ever been written. It's received rave reviews from people like Oprah. She says, this is a wonderful book. It can really change your life. Grant Sabatier, founder of Millennial Money on CNBC Make It, says the best book on money, period. And it really talks about not just money, but but it really brings home the, this idea that we exchange our life energy, our time, our most precious asset that we have. We give it away in exchange for money. 
And that's where the title comes from, is your, what are you sacrificing for your life energy? When I read the book, I, I love to mark up books. I, I like physical books. I like pages. I like paper. I use highlighters. I, I dog ear pages that are really significant. And I love to have my library. We really oftentimes just sort of jump into a job or a career it can become consuming. And part of what I love about this book is it talks about the idea of enough, of economic satisfaction. And that's one of the pillars of my program, Midlife in Paradise in 90 Days or Less. In that program, we talk about, if you read the the paper or the news feed about retirement and, oh, you have to have this much amount of money to retire in your bank account. Oh, you have to have this much amount of money set aside for health challenges because, you know, insurance doesn't cover it all, you know, and then you, you know, you may have, maybe you have to pay for insurance too, but if you're talking about uh, home health care or long-term care, some of these things, the numbers that they're throwing out for folks that are in middle age and, and looking at what does my financial picture look like the rest of my life, it's daunting. And it doesn't have to be that way. Those articles, those statements are lies in many ways. A lot of it's just if it leads, it bleeds, you know, they're sensational headlines. But it's also really rooted in consumerism and this idea that, you know, more, 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 we have to buy more stuff and bigger cars and bigger houses. And there's the idea of economic satisfaction being satisfied with having enough can drive a 10-year-old car. I I know one of our good friends, actually, that was an an issue with his girlfriend. She didn't like him driving a 10-year-old car. He's brilliant. I mean, he's very wealthy. He could drive anything he wants to. Doesn't uh, turn him on to drive a brand new expensive car. And she had a problem with that. So it it goes to your philosophy, your values. Um, Your money or your life is really one of the three books that I'm talking about today, I would say that one is probably the most important one to read because it really can change your life. It really can change your perspective about money and about resources and about the fact that people who are wealthy are no happier than poor people, right? They've done studies on this. Those with enough money are are the happiest. They're not really focused on money. They're really focused on their values, their family, their community, their faith. The, those are the folks that, that are living happy lives. It's not the ones that are constantly striving to acquire more things, more toys. It's really more about our experiences. And this book was somewhat... Um, responsible for the FIRE movement, right? Financial independence, retire early. And I've uh, I've done other podcasts. I'll link to that on this particular movement. I'm not a fan. I really don't think that's um, really about extreme savings and then, you know, retiring at a very, very young age. To do what? I'm not sure. It's great to have a goal for, you know, savings, for getting out of debt and all that. But to think that, you know, you're just going to create a big pile of money and then sit back and, and, 
eat bonbons. I don't know. I, it's not appealing to me. And I think a lot of the folks that have, have done it, have actually followed that fire philosophy, are finding themselves just bored. Like, okay, I, I saved all this money. I had a good job. I got out of debt. I, I achieved my goal, but I'm not really that happy, right? That's not it. So that's what I love about this book is it's not just about money. It's not just about finances, but it's really about taking that finite resource that you have that time and really allocating it in such a way that it's going to meet your needs and lead to the happiest life that you can have. So those are um, some of my uh, book thoughts for the month. I know it's August, uh, we're end of uh, end of summer, we're going into fall season. I'm, I'm going to share next month, I think, the book that made the most impact on me as I transitioned out of practicing law and into the network marketing industry that served me very well. I, I was very blessed in that industry for two decades. And I'm going to talk in depth about how that philosophy, my philosophy changed from being a security-seeking law student and attorney and really, uh, after my divorce, really wanting that financial security and finding it to be rather elusive for some of the reasons that I've stated in this podcast and how I came to realize that that was not what was going to give me what I wanted. And so I'm going to share that with you next month. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in to the Life in Paradise podcast. Did you love this episode? If so, we'd love for you to follow, rate, and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We invite you to tune in every week for more inspired insights and wisdom to create your somebody pinch me reality. And until next time, dream big and act on it daily.